0: Greetings and welcome to the Recombobulation Area. My name is Dan Schaefer. Thank you for joining us today. The spring election in Wisconsin is now less than one month away. And on the ballot statewide in that April 4th election is the race for Wisconsin Supreme Court, where Janet Protosiewicz and Daniel Kelly are competing to be elected for a 10-year term. That election will determine the ideological balance of the state Supreme Court, with conservative Patience Roggensack, Retiring—it's a pretty big deal. It's been about two weeks now since the primary, and we're looking ahead to the general election. So, to help us recombobulate, we're joined today by Charles Franklin, director of the Marquette University Law School poll. Charles, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the recombobulation area.
1: Thanks, Dan. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Uh, so there's a there's a lot for us to discuss. Uh, lots going on with this statewide race. Uh, that is going to determine so much of our politics, uh, going forward in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, but we just had that, that primary a couple weeks ago. And I think one of the big takeaways that people had from the primary election results was the fact that Janet Protosiewicz, the Milwaukee County judge, who is the, the liberal candidate in this race. Now that we have the, uh, you know, the, the two candidates who have emerged from the primary, she is the, the one liberal candidate remaining. Uh, the fact that she won more votes than the two conservatives combined. Uh, so the two conservatives being Daniel Kelly, who placed second to emerge, and Jennifer Doro, uh, who uh, who lost. Uh, so what I want to know is, is that significant? Is it significant in a primary like this? For Protasevits to have such a, you know, a, 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 a I guess, a lead, but it's just to have more votes than those two conservative candidates combined.
1: Yeah, I think it's important. I wouldn't make too much of it in the sense that obviously turnout will be higher in April than it was in February, and so there's a wide open question of whether the liberal or the conservative sides mobilize better going forward. But I think if you put the two liberal candidates together, Protosawich and Mitchell together, they got 54% of the vote to 46% for the two conservative candidates. I hasten to add, though, that we've seen past cases where a primary winner got 50% of the vote only to then lose in the subsequent April election. So you don't want to read too much into primary success. Having said that, though, I think the primary showed strong mobilization on the liberal side and strong backing for Protosay, which herself, whereas the two conservatives split the conservative vote pretty equally. And a still open question is whether um, Doro's supporters will fully embrace Kelly. After all, Kelly said he would not Commit to uh, supporting Doro if she had won. So there's the potential for some hard feelings still there.
0: Yeah, I mean, she went through the process of saying that you know she's endorsing Kelly and and is uh, moving in that direction and and wants you know there to be uh, a continue to be a conservative majority on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. But I think you know the the location of where she where Doro was successful. I think is significant because of kind of the larger shift that we're seeing. So Doro did really well in Waukesha County and Washington County and a few other places in the Milwaukee media market, but she really struggled uh, really pretty much everywhere else in the state. She didn't do particularly well, but I think that the the
1: concentration of her vote in those areas is striking. Sorry, Dan, go on.
0: (laughs) No, I, I, and I think, I, th- I think it's interesting because of the way that the suburbs have been shifting in recent election cycles um, And this is something that you've you know you've talked about quite a bit through the through the polling. So so how does you know the the larger trend for uh, that have been you know shifting towards Democrats in recent election cycles, how does that connect with this race?
1: Yeah, if we look at the Wow counties, Washington Ozaki and, and Waukesha counties, um support those are all still republican majority counties in recent elections but the vote margin for the republicans has been decreasing between 2012 and 2020 for president the net vote for republicans fell by about 40,000 votes in those three counties remember our statewide margin was just a little over 20,000 votes so that's a significant decline, but it's not just presidential races. it's not just donald trump uh Scott Walker's support in the Wow counties, which had in twenty ten and twenty twelve been exceptionally strong, fell off substantially in those three counties. In fact, all three of them were in the top ten of declining support for Walker again, he still wins them, but he wins them by a much lesser margin. And we've also seen it in recent Supreme Court races where the conservative candidates have not done as well in those wild counties as earlier conservative candidates did. This year in the primary, at least, the two conservatives did a bit better combined than we saw in the governor's race in November, for example, in those three counties. Again, I'm talking about margin here. Mm-hmm. Um and so the question is whether that represents a little bit of a comeback for conservative candidates or whether that really was driven by Darrow, who did do especially well, and whether Dan Kelly can appeal to those voters who went to Darrow in the primary. That, again, it it it's, could be a matter of ideology and tastes for judicial preferences. It could be simple liberal conservatism. Um, but i think there's certainly an open question about whether the small resurgence of conservative support in the in the primary really will carry over to the april election or not in those three wild counties in particular
0: so one thing i'm wondering about with that is how you know if recent history can be a guide here right so we had the primary the republican gubernatorial primary uh, last August, where Tim Michaels beat Rebecca Clayfish. And Rebecca Clayfish's kind of center of support was also very much in those Wow counties. You know, there were other parts of the state um, that that she did better as well. But Tim Michaels, I believe, uh, I believe won like 60 to 65 of Wisconsin's 72 counties yeah. in that uh, in that primary. So is there anything to be learned from from those results?
1: Yeah, what we saw in that election and in previous Republican primaries is the Southeast often votes together. It was a strong source of Scott Walker's support, for example. Um, it, it, but And there are a lot of people that live in the Southeast. That's the other thing to really take into account, that the Milwaukee media market alone is 40% of voters in the state. So If you can win the Milwaukee market in a Republican primary, you've got a strong base of support. But what we see is the more conservative candidates, sometimes you might call them the more anti-establishment candidates, have done especially well in recent years in the north and west of the state Mm -hmm. uh, from sort of a line from Green Bay to the Twin Cities, but including uh, part of the lower western part of the state as well. That region has really grown in Republican and conservative support over recent years, and it's where Kelly did especially well. Uh, Those counties are mostly fairly small populations, but together, that region makes up about 26% of the state if you don't include Green Bay, and it gets close to 50% if you do include Green Bay base. So again, that's a pretty important area of the state as well. So Kelly's doing well in that growing Republican and conservative support area, but conservatives generally have been falling off in the Southeast. Does that still carry on this time? And again, can turnout be mobilized um, on the conservative areas And, of course, in the liberal areas, Milwaukee County and Milwaukee City turnout in spring elections is sometimes a bit low. Uh, It was especially high in Dane County this year. And so where does the liberal vote come from as well as where does the conservative vote come from?
0: Yeah, you, you know, just to get back to your point on just the population center, I think Waukesha County is the third most populous county. So when you have... You know, Waukesha County going from, you know, seventy percent Republican to sixty-five percent Republican—that's thousands and thousands of votes in a way that it wouldn't be uh, in less populous counties. Um, you know, one of the other regional things that kind of stood out to me from from the primary—you mentioned, you know, Kelly did uh, pretty well in the northern parts of the state. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting that Protosewitz did well in the southwestern part of the state a lot of these there were a lot of these kind of you know the famed obama trump counties uh and some of which went back to biden some of which remained with trump um but i i noticed that you know not only did she win those counties because i I think of course you're going to see her win more counties just based on the makeup of the you know the 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 conservatives you know duking it out for second place more or less in this race but she also got more than 50 percent of the vote in a number of those counties is, is that an important uh, metric there and and does that signal that you know some of those southwestern traditionally democratic places kind of pre-trump uh might might be voting with a liberal candidate in this election
1: yeah, I think that's exactly right. To make this comparison, I combine the two liberal candidates and the two conservative candidates because, as you say, with the two conservatives splitting a little less than well forty six percent of the vote, obviously neither of them came in in first place in a huge number of of counties. But if you put the liberals together and the conservatives together, Protsaywich and the and and Mitchell combined to take most of those south, almost all of those southwestern counties, sort of from west of Dane County, so that's Iowa County, over to Crawford and Grant and up towards La Crosse. Those counties voted twice for Obama and then voted, all but one of them, twice for Trump. They had also been trending away from Democratic congressional candidates, in particular Ron Kind and mostly supported Derek Van Orden in the last election. And so, but almost all of those southwestern counties went at least a little bit, and sometimes more than a little bit, for the two liberal candidates. So I think it's a wide open question whether that holds up, but it would represent a shift from a region that had shifted in 2016 and mostly stayed there in 18, I'm, I'm sorry, in 20, In 18, those counties came back for Tammy Baldwin uh, and sort of split on the governor's race. So I think it's a mixed area, and we don't really know for sure whether it's trending back in a Democratic direction or whether it's just fluctuating like it has over the last seven years.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I noted in my column, uh, in my takeaways from the piece, was that Protosiewicz's map yeah, or, or kind of the aggregate map of those two liberal candidates looked a lot like the map of Tammy Baldwin's victory in in 2018. Yes. Uh so I think that is that is definitely something interesting definitely something to follow. Another, you know, part of the state that that Baldwin did well in uh that I think, you know, Protesawitz had some success in as well was the Fox Valley. Uh, Fox Valley is always a place that I look to as a, as a crucial swing region of the state. We it might not have, you know, the population center of Waukesha County, uh, or anything like that. But, but as a graduate of UW Oshkosh, uh, I, I know that that region can really, really has a real independent streak and, and can really swing either way. So, so what were some of your takeaways from, uh, the results in, you know, counties like Winnebago, Otagami, Brown, uh, and even up to Door County? <laughs> I think it's been with them as well.
1: um, I think uh, the two liberals together slightly won out of gamey and slightly lost Brown and and Winnebago, if I remember right. Um, In any case, that region has been getting more and more of a pastel color to it. The cities throughout the Fox Valley have become pretty democratic and in some cases, deeply democratic. But they're surrounded by suburbs and especially countryside that is deep, deep red. So the result is you have really high polarization between urban and suburban and rural areas in Brown, Outta, and Winnebago, the balance of which is mostly still a little bit pro-Republican, though Tammy Baldwin won some of those counties. Um, I can't remember if she won all three, but she certainly did very well there. I think the other comparison here is with um, Rebecca Dallet's Supreme Court win in 2018, because her map also looked a lot like the combined Protossay, which in Mitchell map this time, and Baldwin, making inroads in the Southwest and going up the Mississippi River in some places, uh, including a slight edge in St. Croix County, usually a pretty reliably Republican county and it may well swing back, but um I, part of that is a matter of how big was the victory. Baldwin won by eleven uh Dalit won by about eleven um it was an eight point margin fifty six i uh, sorry fifty four forty six in the primary this time, so when you're getting eight to ten point victories. Democratic or liberal candidates are making or the only way they can do that is to make inroads in some of these areas that are swingy or where a city turnout might favor them a little bit more um and so I do think the map looks at least from the primary looks more like dalla's in in twenty eighteen uh, baldwin's in twenty eighteen what it doesn't look like is that super close 2019 race between Hagedorn and Neubauer. and so there you have an essentially tied race. It was 50.2 to 49.7 uh, in that race in in 2019. So Six, you also want to 6, look at boats the
0: boats there. Yeah,
1: six thousand votes, just a tiny, tiny handful of a margin. Not, not that I've. Those those are good
0: bookies about those six thousand votes uh, in the past four years or anything. Yes,
1: indeed, and you know, turnout,
0: mobilization.
1: You know, if you look at that ten or eleven point win by uh, Dallid or by Baldwin you're going to think that, wow, you could really, the liberal candidate could really pick up a lot of places. On the other hand, don't forget that Hagedorn-Neubauer vote, which looks a lot different and where both sides have their sort of core strength, but don't run up much of the vote in the other's territory. That, I'd say, is the uh, the question here, is can Protese, which maintain The liberal combined vote well, or do the conservatives unite and maybe mobilize in a way that they didn't for the primary? Um, I don't know. I don't know how to handicap that turnout very well. We had exceptionally high turnout for a primary, and both the liberals and the conservatives had a pair of candidates in the race. That's something that hadn't happened this century, Mm -hmm. not since 2000. including not in 2000, have we seen a case where both of the ideological camps had two candidates on the ballot. And so there was every reason for both liberals and for conservatives to be mobilized in this primary. And that record setting turnout of almost 959,000 votes uh, was over thirty percent higher than the previous record of seven hundred and five thousand votes, so I think we get more turnout in April. But does higher turnout sort of split evenly between the ideologies, or does it favor one or the other? Part of that is how effectively they campaign and and organize for getting out the vote.
0: Yeah, I think there's been you know there's been some interesting big picture trends with uh, turnout. I, I think <laughs> you know for years I think the thinking was that higher turnout elections benefit Democrats and liberal candidates uh that seems to be changing a little bit can you can you talk a little bit about what's been happening there
1: yeah I I think two things have happened but the most important one is that Republicans over the last decade have gained strength with non-college graduates uh especially with white men who are not college graduates In our polling in 2012, that group, non-college white men, were about four percentage points more Republican than Democrat, but now they're close to 25% more Republican than Democrat. So that's a huge change in the party balance of that group. No other demographic group has shifted nearly that much. But higher education is strongly correlated with voter turnout. And so as the Republican Party has gotten more of a blue-collar, non-college component in their partisanship, they're also getting more support from a group that at least historically has not had as high turnout levels as higher people with a college degree, but also haven't had as much turnout in midterms and certainly spring elections. So this shift in the makeup of the Republican Party matters. Democrats, on the other hand, have benefited from a growing support among college graduates, which, again, has one of the higher turnouts. And you certainly see that in the case of Dane County, especially where uh, education is very high and turnout is through the roof, the highest turnout of the primary election.
0: Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to ask about was was Dane County, because it's the the turnout and the margin that Dane County is putting out there is pretty astonishing. Uh, When you look at these numbers, you know, I think, you know, in the primary, it was neither of the conservative candidates even got to nine percent of the vote. And, you know, Tony Evers did exceptionally well in Dane County last fall uh, in the midterm. And it's the you know, it's the second largest county in the state. It's the fastest-growing county in the state, and it seems to be getting bluer and bluer every election cycle.
1: And actually had higher total turnout in terms of number of votes cast than Milwaukee County, even though Dane is still substantially smaller than Milwaukee. So in that sense, Dane County really punches above its weight because of the extremely high turnout and because of the lopsided vote margin. One thing we're seeing is Republicans focusing a bit on Dane County and saying, look, we aren't going to win Dane County, but we have to turn out our votes here. We think there are more Republicans in the county that whether they're discouraged or whether we're not mobilizing them enough could make a difference. You know, the the irony that the, the Waukesha Democrats are like, enjoy pointing out, is Waukesha has the second or third highest Democratic vote (laughs) in terms of number of votes, because it's a big county. So even if you're the minority vote in a big county, you're still contributing a lot of statewide votes. Dane County, the Republicans really have not succeeded in doing that. But through their communications, they're clearly trying to focus on that and trying to sort of do for the Republicans what I think the Democrats have done in Waukesha and Ozaukee, especially less so in Washington County. And that is turn out your minority votes so that you lose 60 40 instead of losing 70-30. That makes a big difference in statewide elections.
0: Yeah. Huge ramifications for for all of those shifts. Um so look so looking ahead here, what are, you know, when when you get to when we get to election night, when you're sitting down to process all of these results, what, what are gonna, gonna be the first things that you're pulling up and looking at?
1: Well, I want to see whether the concern whether Kelly can get past sixty percent in the WoW counties. Um if he's doing sixty to sixty-five percent, it means he's doing better than Tim Michaels did in the governor's race. Um if he got into the high sixties, that would be a return to the old days of the solidly conservative WoW counties. On the other hand, if he falls down to, I believe it was 59% that uh, Michaels got, um, at least in Waukesha, Um, if he falls into the 50s, though, that's a bad sign. It's saying that the southeast, the wild counties are not really turning out for him. I think the Dane County vote is uh, entirely a question of just how big is the turnout and does the margin hold up? If you saw some successful Republican mobilization in Dane, you could see the count go up, but the percentage margin maybe slip a little bit. If that doesn't happen, then again, you're looking at Dane running up the score here. Then there are places that we don't talk as much about. Rock County used to be the third largest supply of net Democratic votes in the state. And as the GM plant shut down and Janesville and Rock County went through some severe economic re- you know, dislocations, that fell off a bit. It's still a pretty democratic county, but it hasn't been turning out the really substantial lopsided margins that it did 15 or 20 years ago in statewide races. Um, finally, as, we, as you've already talked about, the Fox Valley do we see those these this race stay very close in all three of the Fox Valley counties? Um, if so, that's probably good news for Proto Say, if she were to win one of those counties, then that would be a strong indicator that she's also likely doing pretty well in some of the other swing counties, meaning She may not win them by very much or lose them by very much, but they're not big deficits for her in places that in the past, sometimes Republicans have been successful in winning. Mm -hmm. Uh, Finally, if you want to fun little pair to look at, Door County and Sauk County have turned out to be swing counties in the last few elections. They're not a huge number of votes, uh, so I'm not saying they're great bellwethers, but it is interesting to watch them door in particular the northern part of the county is quite democratic and the southern parts quite republican so how does that balance uh turn out on election day
0: door has been the swing county in a lot of uh a lot of recent ones uh you know i think you know we saw some of the split ticket voting uh happen across the state in the in the last election cycle but that was a county that tony evers won and that Ron Johnson won, but I think just 75 votes that Ron Johnson won the county by. So, very yeah,
1: it's votes. a sliver of a difference in these cases. But, you know, if it's slightly pink or slightly blue, us map makers get excited about it.
0: Well, that's right. And in, and in Wisconsin, I think, you know, any anything matters because, like you mentioned before, the the 2019 state Supreme Court race <laughs> decided by just six thousand votes. You know, we have. However many statewide elections, I feel like the last you know we had the the Senate race last year was the closest Senate race we had in almost 100 years. Uh, every single one of our presidential elections, unless Barack Obama's on the ticket uh, is decided by less than one percent these days. Uh, yeah. So it's every every little bit in every county matters.
1: And one last thing that we haven't really mentioned is of the last six Supreme Court races, three have been won by the liberal candidate and three have been won by the conservative candidate. So while these trends that we've been talking about are real, it has mattered who the candidates are and how the campaign goes. So it's not like the state is shifting clearly in one ideological direction or the other, It's that we're close enough that campaigns and candidates can really make the difference for who the winner is.
0: Um so, so I so I've noticed that you, there has not been a new uh Marquette University Law School poll before this before this primaries are are we going to see one over no. the next couple of weeks?
1: No, we've never polled on the Supreme Court race with one exception in 2016 when it was the same day as the presidential primary. So we were polling for the presidential primary. So we did ask the court race that time. Um so this is an incredibly important election but our practice has not been to do that some of that is because turnout compared to a November election is fairly low so it's difficult to get a good sample of likely voters though perhaps with high turnout this time that will change um but our normal practice in midterm year or odd numbered years is to focus on the state budget and how that is working its way through the legislature and with the governor we'll do that in may or june um so it was tempting to do this but we decided to stay with our long-standing practice and not do it i do have my fingers crossed that some other public pollster will come out and do some polling I know that I've gotten at least two polls at my house in the last couple of weeks on the Supreme Court race, but I don't think either of those were public
0: pollsters. Yeah, there's all there's of course all the internal polling that that uh Ex- those, you know, those of us outside of the uh outside of the campaigns are never witness to. Um Yeah, I ha- yeah. I have to
1: tell you that I don't I, weirdly enough, I don't respond to other people's polls. <laughs> so I only know from the introduction to those two surveys that uh they were polls coming to the house, robo polls. Yeah.
0: yeah, so yeah, it is kind of interesting having a race, uh, you know, of this magnitude, but uh, at an off cycle and and everything. There's there's you know, last year we had I, I don't even know how many polls we had of the midterms right. in Wisconsin, but not having right. one now, it you know, it just kind of makes makes for an interesting, um, you know, d- there the, it's the pol- having the polling not as be as part of the narrative as yeah. much is, is an interesting. Uh, part of it. So uh, I guess before we wrap things up here, do you, because of her showing in the primary and because of, you know, some of the larger trends uh, that we've been talking about, uh, and also because of the the salience of the abortion rights issue, right. uh, do you consider Protosawitz to be the favorite in this race?
1: Yeah, I'm reluctant to handicap it that way, and but on empirical grounds. The fact that primaries have not been great predictors of the April outcomes, I think is a sobering message to anybody that wants to prognosticate. I think you can just state the facts. The two liberals got 54%, the two conservatives 46%. That certainly seems to indicate an advantage to her. But Remember how much turnout is likely to change between February and April and and realize that it matters a lot who turns out their vote. So I think it's better to think this is a very competitive race and wait until April uh, late on the 4th, early on the 5th, maybe, uh, <laughs> as, as those uh, tallies come in. Um, certainly, it's going to be the most expensive race by far. Lots of mobilization on both sides. You're already seeing attack ads running on in the race. So um, there's a ways to run on this and see who who that turns on and who it turns off and which messages succeed with voters and which messages fall flat.
0: Turnout, such a big part of this. Do you have any predictions for, for what the turnout will be?
1: Yeah, that's that's actually pretty interesting. Our recent Supreme Court races have generally been about 20% turnout in the April election. Hey, that's a percentage of adult age population. It's the way the Wisconsin Elections Commission computes turnout. But in 2019, that was the hagedorn newbauer race that was so close. We hit 27%. And then the real exception was 2011 in the midst of Act 10 and the protests over that. Then turnout hit 34%. That was an exceptional period in 2011. I don't know if we could reach that again. But with Hagedorn-Neubauer at 27, I certainly think we could be over 27. And we could get into the 30s, and who knows? We're a high-turnout state these days. We've seen midterm turnout rising steadily until 2022 when it dropped off just a little bit. We've seen court turnout, as I say, it's mostly been around 20. But in these most recent races... Uh, getting to 22, 27, 34, and 2011. So I do think we could see turnout in that magnitude. um, Over 1.2 million votes cast, maybe getting up towards 1.5 million votes cast. That would be huge for a
0: spring election. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty remarkable. One point five million votes. Maybe let's let's make that a goal for Wisconsin. Try to get to <laughs> one point. That would be a pretty remarkable turnout uh, in a spring election off off year uh, off year so without like a, you know, a, without a presidential primary or, or some kind of other national primary that I think in a lot of other cases has has driven turnout.
1: Right. And I am setting aside the two recent Supreme Court races on presidential primary days, 2020 and 2016, because that's just not comparable to the situation we're in right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Charles Franklin, you've been very generous with your time today, and I appreciate all of your insights that you're sharing with us here at the Recombobulation Area.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan. I really enjoyed it.